For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, Bill Spadia here. Welcome back to our podcast, Speaking Recovery, that we do every month with our friends at RCA, Recovery Centers of America. Today we're joined by Marguerite Warner. She is the Regional Alumni Coordinator and we're going to talk a little bit about what to do with those folks that are struggling now coming off of well the last 30 days a lot of people try to stay sober in january as a new year's resolution and then get to the more serious the folks that are in really great distress and have gone through the program what it means to be an alumni and how important the sober community is to people that are fighting addiction marguerite welcome good to have you here thank you so let's start right off the bat. What do what does RCA, how does RCA define alumni? Okay, so basically you don't necessarily have to be an inpatient with RCA. If you spend one day with treatment with RCA, you are considered an alumni. Um, I visit our IOP, which is our outpatient department once a week. I visit them on Monday mornings for that reason. Um, some people believe that if an inpatient, and if you didn't do a 30-day stay with RCA, that you're not an alumni, but absolutely every patient is an alumni of RCA, and that's the beauty in it. Now, let me understand that. So someone that's gone one day, I mean, is that someone that has gone through one day, they they got, the, the ship got righted that quickly, or is that, I mean, how do you deal with folks that quit and, and walk out? See, that's that's just it. There's no guarantee that a person is going to stay for treatment. You know, this is very difficult, very challenging. But it's important to know that RCA is here for absolutely every patient, not just the patients that are capable of completing, you know, the 30-day stay. You are a part of the alumni family immediately from the time you walk into the building and register for your stay. I understand. So I, I think so people understand what this means is that once you connect you guys follow up and and try to help. It's an ongoing battle. So just because someone walks out of treatment, that doesn't mean that their journey is over. Doesn't mean that RCA forgets about them. That's what you mean by it. No, yeah, we don't give up on anybody. That's for the, you know, that's the amazing thing. You know, we support you through your journey in recovery. Um, I've never experienced this before. Generally, when you leave treatment, you leave treatment and that kind of, it, that's severed. But with RCA's alumni program, your connection with us remains as long as you're willing for us to be in contact with you and in connection with you. You know, it offers our patients not just support when they need support, but it also offers them the opportunity to participate in a clean and sober community with meetings, events. You know, there's a, there's a constant flow of communication with our patients. And how do you, how is it that you bring people together? Let's talk about the person. I mean, huge difference. Somebody that, that goes in and leaves in 24 hours and they say, I've had enough. I can't do this. You follow up 30 days later, 60 days ongoing. Um, then the person that went through it, walked out in 30 days and is, you know, two, three, four years later, still sober. 
Mm-hmm. So there's a, it actually does, it's, it's a different type of engagement. For those that do the 30-day stay here at RCA, they will meet with me while they are here in our facility. I'll do groups with them. I'll go in and explain to them what the Alumni Association is, what we have to offer, um, and make it clear to them that I'm, I'm here for them when they want to celebrate a milestone, but I'm also here for them when they're struggling. Um, we have multiple meetings. Once our patients actually leave, we have multiple meetings. We have a morning inspiration meeting at eight in the morning. It's all virtual. We have an 11 a.m. meeting. It's a big book reading. It's all hosted. Each and every one of those meetings are hosted by an alumni coordinator from one of our sites. So we get alumni from all over that attend. We also have multiple meetings in the evening that our patients and alumni can attend. So the engagement starts right away. What we also do is, um, it doesn't matter the amount of time that you've stayed with us, we reach out to you via a platform called SMS Messaging. You get a message two days after you leave our facility, 10 days, 30 days, 60, 90, six months, and one year. And it's basically saying, hi, this is Marguerite, your alumni coordinator, just reaching out to see how you're doing. So what would you say the percentage is of people that that join uh, that are part of the alumni group and you follow up with in six months and they're doing great versus the folks that are like, thank God you were there, Marguerite, because I was really in trouble? <laughs> well, generally what happens is that engagement that we have, you know, doing that regularly, if a patient is struggling, that is usually the response. You know, I'm not doing so good right now. I'm struggling. And what I usually do my response to that is, how can I help you? Would you like to talk? Here is my number. Is it okay if I call you? And I'll usually reach out and give them a call and talk with them for a little bit because I'm struggling doesn't necessarily mean that I've relapsed. I'm struggling could mean that I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. You know, I'm starting to obsess over drinking. What constitutes a relapse? Let's talk about um, someone who is battling alcoholism and uh, they've turned their life completely upside down. They've lost spouse, job, uh, distance from kids, et cetera. And um, what is a relapse? Is a relapse, I, I, I went to a football game and I had a beer, is a relapse, I ended up passed out in my driveway? I mean, what, what, what constitutes that? And is there a range that that category captures? See, that's, a, that's an area where I say to thine own self be true, you know, depending on how you feel. Um, there are some people that are capable of having a, want to call it slip or a minor relapse where they, they pick up, but they're able to put it back down and jump back into meetings, jump back into the alumni association, staying connected and are able to continue on this journey. There are others who have a more severe experience where they've done this and now they're not capable of stopping. And it's physically dangerous for them to try and stop on their own. Then we would talk about getting you back into treatment so that you could safely detox. And what would that look like? Is that the five-day detox, a 10-day detox? Is that going back through the entire program? Is that like, I've got to repeat my grade? It was- <laughs> It would depend on your needs. Each individual has different needs. If you would, if you have the need for more than just detox, if, if you have the desire to stay for a longer term and perhaps take a look at things that maybe were missed, you know what I mean? Or, or something that you weren't capable of achieving or obtaining. There's, there's multiple different programs in RCA 
Um, we have a prize program that is specifically for people who have had long-term recovery or some mm -hmm. form of recovery in their life, but there's a missing link somewhere and they don't seem to be able to, you know, make that connection to maintain long-term sobriety again. You know, we work with their specific mm -hmm. needs. What's the, what's the cost to the, the person who relapses and calls and, and relies on the alumni network and uh, forgetting having to go back into treatment necessarily, but is there a cost involved? Absolutely nothing. No, the Alumni Association is here to provide support and not just support. Um, we, do, we do monthly events with our patients and we go out and we do a lot of fun things and it's of no cost to our, our alumni. Or their so not everything is virtual. There's a lot of in-person interaction. Absolutely. That, like, that's actually, you know, I love the virtual. I spend a lot of time engaging with my, my alumni uh, virtually, but once a month, I am out. Uh, this past Sunday, we went to an event at an uh, awesome restaurant called Simply Southern in Belmar, New Jersey. Forty of my alumni joined me for a fabulous wow. meal. Yeah, and we actually had a volunteer with 30 Years Clean and Sober speak for us. So, yeah, we now, that's an interesting point. Let's go to that. So, uh, yeah. wait, what was the place called? Simply Southern? Simply Southern, yeah. What did you eat? I had fried chicken. and fried chicken. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love Southern cooking. I love it. I, but I'm going to guess they serve booze at this no. restaurant. No, they don't. It's no, a bring your own or it's just like a lunch place? No, it's a lunch or dinner. Uh, the, the beverage was peach mango tea. Okay. It, is, it a bring, is it a bring your own or no? They just, there's no alcohol. We reserved the whole restaurant, so nobody I see. Okay. in that door. <laughs> no, well, I ask that because, I, you know, just, just having been working in and around this issue for many, many years, I, I find that, that part of the recovery process is being able to walk through a restaurant where people are, uh, you know, ordering drinks and having cocktails and you have a, that sniff of the old life. Uh, how how do you tell people to deal with that? Is it does it depend on the strength of the person? Do some people do they have to literally not see it uh, and and stay away from it, or can some people go back to the old life and and just be above that? That's an awesome question, and I actually have experience with that. There's no guarantee when we go places and we do things that we're not going to be in the environment where there is a substance. Um, one of the first events I did was a bowling event with my alumni. I had 28 people participating. Now, bowling alleys generally do have bars. And one of my alumni, it was a younger gentleman, came in and he came straight to me and he said, Marguerite, I don't know how to do this. This is the first time I've participated in something like this, clean and sober. And I said, well, I'll tell you how you do it. We do it together, you know, together as a group. We support each other. I said, so do you want to have fun? And he said, yeah. I said, would you like to remember this experience? Yeah, I said, well, let's go have fun. And that's what we did as a group. You yeah. Know? And within moments, they forget that they're in a place that has the bar off to the left or off to the right, you know, and they enjoy themselves and they engage in life. You know, think about it in, in addiction. We're isolated from absolutely everything and everyone, and we don't necessarily have that ability in the beginning to know how to have these experiences. What um what would you say is the what, what's the first thing you would tell someone who is uh, who tells you look I I drink a lot but I'm not an alcoholic I you know sure I have a little vodka with my orange juice in the morning um, I have two drinks at night I'm having drinks during lunch I keep a little bottle in my desk 
but hey, I just got a promotion last week. Yeah. Well, what I would say to them, if it were presented to me, um, that's a decision that you have to come to on your own terms. I can't, you know, say that you're an alcoholic or not an alcoholic, but what I can say, if it ever comes to a point where you find it troublesome or it is, you know, creating some question in that area, I would absolutely help you and support you, you know, in, in any decision that you would like to make. Um, but I couldn't, I can't qualify you or not qualify you as an alcoholic or not. Margaret, how did you come to find this? I mean, you certainly have a huge grasp on this. Was this a personal issue for you? Was it family oriented? How did you land at RCA to then dedicate this kind of commitment and time to help other people? Okay, so well, 17 years ago, I started my own personal journey in recovery. Um, I grew up in an environment, you know, surrounded by alcoholism and addiction. And uh, when I came to that, you know, that road myself, um, and I got sober, I certainly didn't have any intention to begin working in the field of recovery. It actually happened by chance. You know, I had a friend who was a coordinator, director of clinical coordinator at a facility who asked me if I'd be willing to come part time, and you know, just work with his clients as a woman, you know, clean and sober. Um, just to kind of be like a support role. And in doing so, I fell in love with it, you know, and uh, I just became very passionate about giving um, something that was so freely given to me and that it just came so naturally. You know, when you when you work in this field, uh, Sunday night, you're not dreading Monday, you're looking forward to it. And Friday, you're not thinking, oh, today is my payday. What you're thinking is, okay, what can I do for me personally? You know, what can I do over the weekend that would um, help me to engage a little better with my alumni? What what interesting events can I look up um, and inquire about? You know, um, on Sundays, actually every other Sunday, I just um, partnered with, um, there's a place called John Bon Jovi's Old Kitchen in Red Bank, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. We had an event there for Christmas. We had a holiday brunch. And what that did is it opened the door for the people that are involved in the Alumni Association to now take on a service commitment. Because a big part of our recovery, it's not just showing up and having fun. A big part of recovery is about service, giving back to the community, giving back to the world that we took a great deal from. It's important to me, and I see how important it is to my alumni. So we managed to schedule every other Sunday morning. We're going to go over and we're going to be of service to the salt kitchen. You know, there, it, it is, there's such a broad scope of recovery. It's not about just not picking up a drink or not picking up a drug. You know, it's about yeah. filling, filling that need inside. And what? What are you seeing more of today with your alumni? Drugs, alcohol? What What would you say is uh, more predominant? Honestly, a specific drug that is the drug of choice. You know, post lockdown culture. That yeah. we just Honestly, um, I guess you know if it's the right term, I don't see very many blue bloods. <laughs> to be honest with you, um, addiction it, it it doesn't. You know, yes, you know, you do have your hard alcoholics and, and some people to you know claim to be addict only but I, I don't need to basically utilize whatever substance will do the job 
Yeah. So, you know, you, there, there, there's not, has there been an increase, though, in what you've seen? I mean, we hear a lot about the numbers of people seeking help have dramatically gone up and a lot speculate. Part of the problem was we had a, a lockdown that, that closed uh, recovery meetings, yet kept liquor stores open. And obviously, from a standpoint of the detox and what alcohol can do to your body, if you stop drinking overnight, uh, people can die. So I understood at least the logic there. On the one side, I did not understand at any level the logic on closing in-person meetings, et cetera, where people were suffering. And and the question is, how much of this are you playing catch-up with some people who really had a tough time in the last 22 months? Uh, honestly, there was, there was a, a large amount. I don't have a percentage number, but there was a large amount of uh, struggling, suffering, and relapse during the outbreak when support meetings closed and we went entirely virtual. Um, first, and I have people in my recovery network, uh, 13 years clean and sober, and when they were forced into the isolation, relapsed and went back into treatment. I helped one Even of Even after 13 years? I, yeah, I helped one of my friends get into one of our facilities in Mays Landing. Yeah, see, here's the thing. And, you know, it's so important that we don't lose sight of this. You know, alcohol and drugs are a social lubricant for most, you know what I mean? Uh, that's generally why we seek it. We need that, you know, that ability to be able to be something that we're not comfortable with being without it. But that very same thing becomes very dangerous when in the end it ends up isolating us from the world. It's, you know, it's, it's an opposite when we pull back and we isolate and we don't have that connection, the disease is in isolation. You know, so you're, I can no longer go to the meeting that I'm going to every day. Most meetings, I like to call it the 2020 club. You get there 20 minutes before, you socialize, you engage, you fellowship, you go into the meeting. After the meeting is over, you've got a great message. Generally, there's a good 20 minutes after the meeting when you're helping to fold chairs or clean up coffee, where you're engaging, you're fellowshipping, there's connection, you know, now immediately take that all away from the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. Completely disconnected. You know, I've become very comfortable with a virtual platform. I can feel the presence even though I'm on a virtual platform. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'd have been able to do that early in my recovery. So I, I commend those who can was year one harder than year six and was year 16 harder than year two uh, how did that work out for you you're asking me all the questions that i love year one was an emotional roller coaster i had highs lows tears joys you know every emotion that you suppressed for however long just reared itself you know and there yeah. you know so um my first year was just, it was a lot of fun, um, but it was also, like I said, an emotional roller coaster. In the middle mm -hmm. of a conversation, I could start, you know, blubbering, you know, nothing was controlled. Mm -hmm. But we think that, okay, yeah, that was the beginning. So now here I am five years, I'm meant to have it all together, right? And I'm meant to be doing really well. What you can't lose sight of is the very thing that you do on a daily basis in your first year, all those disciplines that you're learning, the new way of life are not something that I get to stop doing at five years or I get to stop doing at 10 years or 17 years. If anything, I need to greatly enhance them.
it's a journey. It doesn't end, you know? So do, do I think about a drink or a drug today? No. Do I get resentful, fearful? Yes. That's what I need to take a look at, right? Because I want to remain balanced. I want to remain comfortable mm. in my skin. I forget and lose sight of that. Eventually, my mind is going to tell me I've got a solution to the way you're feeling. And I certainly don't want that solution. So that discipline has to stay in place. But here's the thing. Life gets good, you know, and you have to be really careful. You know, the life that your recovery gives you can't be the life that takes your recovery away. Wow. That's, that's well said. You know, that, that, uh, that is well said. I I appreciate you um, uh, sharing on the personal side. I think none of this can be separated from the personal. Um, What I found is that some of the most successful coaches out there and leaders have suffered themselves and that a gives them credibility. B, you know, tells them what to look for. It's like, you know, every nuance and every trick that's out there so you can get by it. So what do, uh, what do you want people to do? I know they need to call the phone number 888-RECOVERY. Who should call? Can a spouse call for a husband or wife? Can a child call for a mom or dad? Um, can a mom or dad call for a teenage or 20-something uh, uh, son or daughter? I would suggest absolutely anybody, everyone that is interested interested or concerned call. There's all, you can also um, visit our website, recoverycentersofamerica.com to learn more. There's a wealth of information there. And do you do intervention? So if someone, I'm just putting myself in the shoes of a, of a middle-aged mom and dad, they've got a 20-something kid who's struggling and is really uh, a danger to themselves and, and potentially others, whether it's drugs or alcohol, um, what would happen from that phone call? Let's say they're living in another part of the state. They're not at home. Uh, what would what would take place generally? Yeah, I myself don't do interventions, but the same number, the 888-RECOVERY, you can call and speak with someone about having an intervention and set up for someone to come out to your home. And then at what point would they become alumni that you would deal with them? The day they come in for the treatment for one year? (laughs) I like to say the day they get their plaid pajamas. (laughs) Fair enough. Marguerite, thank you. I I really, uh, I appreciate your time today. I appreciate what you do. Thank you for the personal sacrifice and the energy and commitment that you bring to the table to help people get to that next step. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Marguerite. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.